Fantastic. OGR, absolutely. Listen, we'd, we're open to taking donations, financial donations for OGR. We spend about three to 4,000 pounds every Christmas. Uh, we give out about 1,200 hampers. Okay, that's a lot. 1,200 hampers, approximately every year to those in need. Uh, we give them cooked meals uh, right up to Christmas Eve. A lot of staff at Neville Hall, the night staff, they get a surprise Christmas, cooked Christmas dinner on 24th night. Uh, you know, every resident in every care home around, in and around Abergavenny, they get a special Christmas hamper so that they know that they're not alone on Christmas Day, but they are thought of. And so all kinds of things go on. Uh, during this Christmas week uh, and be before that. And so an opportunity for us to, to support the work. And so if you want to give towards this, like I said, it's a lot of money that goes into it, a lot of hard work that goes into it as well. Uh, get in touch with our guys. We would be grateful for all the help received. Amen? Great opportunity to spread the love of Jesus. And that's been the theme this morning. He loves us and he's looking out for us. Amen? Uh, Glenn kindly reminded me, where's Glenn Engel, that his team plays at 12 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> Still have one hour, 15 minutes to go. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. I want to share something that I pray will encourage us this morning. I've titled it, But That One Thing, Lord. And there are times in our lives, there are times in our journey that we can say, Lord, thank you. You've blessed me with so many good things. However, if only you answered that one prayer. Lord, if you only would address that one heavy burden that I'm carrying, my life would be a little much more easier. That one thing, that one thing, that one thing. And sometimes it's the one thing in our entire lives Sometimes it's that one thing in that season of our life. And I just want to pray this morning as the words have been coming about, you know, leaning on him and him leaning out towards us. I pray we would be encouraged this morning that in the midst of all that we might go through, God is for us and not against us. And so I don't know what your one thing is this morning, but if you have that one thing that you've been crying out to the Lord for, he is speaking to us this morning and I I'm using the story of Hannah in the Bible how many of us know that beautiful story just makes it easy for us to relate to so that we don't need to kind of read the, the whole uh, story again but Hannah was blessed had a wonderful life her husband loved her but she had that one thing and I'm gonna kind of just to get us off the ground Pick up the story from 1 Samuel 1, just to give us a little background if we've never heard the story before, just to read a few verses from chapter 1 and then we'll kind of pick up pace from there. So it says, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf, in the hill country of Ephraim, sounds like somewhere in Wales, <laughs> and he was the son of Jeroham, and the, it goes on and on. But verse 2 says, Elkanah had two wives. In those days, it was okay. Okay, so Hannah 
and Penina. Now this was the this was the state of play in this family. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. It says each year Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of the heavens armies. So every year this was their practice. They would go and offer a sacrifice and worship the Lord. And on the days Elkanah presented a sacrifice, verse 4, he would give portions of meat to Penina and each of her children. Now verse 5, this is, this is where the rubber starts hitting the road in this story. It says, and though he loved Hannah, so he loved her. The Bible is kind of indicating her, her state of kind of in the family. She was loved. It says, and though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. I mean, I read this many, 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 many times, but it was only recently when this line stood out to me. The Lord had given her no children. Wow, so it was a setup. God set her up. And I thought, oh my God, I mean, poor thing, you know, kind of. But I just suddenly had a revelation that the Lord set it up. And it says, because the Lord had given her no children. And there are times the Lord would set up certain things in our lives that may seem like, Lord, that one thing. Why are you allowing me to go through that one pain? Everything else is brilliant. Everything else is fantastic. But that one thing. But let's go on with the story. Verse 6 kind of rubs salt to the wound. Not only now does she not have children. Look at what happens in verse 6. It says, so Pen Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her. Because, again, the Lord had kept her from having children. Kind of reinforcing the first thing. The Lord set it up. But look at this now. Not only is she carrying the pain in that culture, I can understand coming from an Eastern culture that not having a child was kind of frowned upon. And so she would kind of go through that pain anyway. But now on top of that, Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her. And verse 7 kind of summarizes the whole thing. It says, year after year, it was the same. Year in, year out. Year in, year out. I think she would dread that time of the year. She would enjoy the whole year, but every time that month came, when they were starting to prepare to go to the tabernacle to offer the sacrifice, the thoughts would arise, the feelings would arise, the mind would start playing games. You know, her, her whole system would kind of go into panic mode because not only am I going to be reminded of the state I am in, but Penina is going to taunt me. She's going to make fun of me. She's going to kind of provoke me. And year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle and look at what would happen as a result of that. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Poor Hannah. Going through a situation that wasn't in her control. And not only did she have to kind of live with the fact that in that Eastern society, she couldn't bear children. Her husband loved her, yet she was reminded year in, year out, year in, year out. I don't know whether you and I might be going through circumstances or having situations like that, that when that time of the year comes, you begin to worry. You begin to fear. You begin to melt down. 
and say, God, why is this one thing not being taken care of? If you love me, because she was loved. And each of us could go through our different things, that one thing, sometimes words. You could, hear, you could be having everything going great guns, but suddenly you hear someone making one statement and it brings back memories of an incident and immediately it paralyzes you. I mean, in our early years of marriage, Lyra and I had to work through some phrases we had to be careful of using when we were a bit upset with each other. Anyone know that, what that? Because it would remind us of certain phrases that were used to us perhaps when we were younger. And while everything else was going fine, when you hear those words, immediately brings back memories and it paralyzes you. And that one thing, one thing, I don't know what that one thing is, but right at the start, I want you, us to understand that there are times in our lives that God sets us up for something that he has in the days ahead. There are times he sets us up because that's the way he wants us to journey through because his grace is sufficient for us. And, and I put down a few thoughts this morning. And of course, the first is very obvious. That God sometimes closes a door because he has something bigger in mind in the days ahead. God sometimes closes an opportunity that we may think, God, if this doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. Who knows why God is allowing that to close at that moment of time? Because in his mind, he has something bigger. I thank God for unanswered prayers. Because if God answered a number of my prayers and gave me what I wanted in that moment, I would have missed the bigger plan that he had for my life. And sometimes we can settle for second best, not knowing that God has better and best. And so right at the start, don't be discouraged if you're crying out this morning saying, Chris, that one thing, that one thing, if only he answers that one thing, if only that one area of my life gets sorted, if only that one. Right at the start, I want to encourage us this morning. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can ask or imagine. And perhaps he's allowing that one door to be closed because he has something bigger in his divine plan for our lives. But I want to bring some other thoughts into this story this morning. We, of course, we know the end of the story. For some of us who've read this many, many times, in the end, she is blessed. But listen to this. Hannah came to a point of desperation. She came to a point of desperation. And in her desperation, she cried out to the Lord. And when she cried out in her desperation, the Lord answered her prayer. But if there was no provocation, there would not have been the desperation. Because there was a Penina who provoked her year in, year out, year in, year out. She reached the point of desperation because she couldn't take it anymore. Listen, there comes a time in our life God needs to provoke us. Because if we don't reach, don't have provocation, we won't come to a point of desperation. Desperation enough to seek him like we've never sought him before. Because if there was no provocation and there was no desperation, guess what? There would be another year, and another year, and another year. And that cycle would go on and on and on. And Hannah would have lived and accepted that's my portion for the rest of my life. Not knowing that God wanted to birth a prophetic ministry through her desperation. 
And so there are times in our journey, you may wonder, why am I being provoked to a point of getting so desperate that I can't control myself? Listen, God set it up. God set it up not only for her good, but for the good of a nation. Think about it. Our lives today belong to Jesus. We sang that song, I have decided. The song before that, we belong to him. Listen, when you and I belong to Jesus, even those provocative situations, even those desperate situations are all there because all things work together for the good of they that love him and are called according to his purposes. And you might be sitting here this morning thinking, why am I being provoked? Maybe that individual in my workplace, as Steph mentioned, provoking me. Maybe that, that, that particular situation, maybe that family member, whatever. It could take a different shapes, different pictures. But if there's a provocation, perhaps God is trying to say, I want you to come to a point of desperation. Because in that desperation, you'll begin to seek me like you've never sought me before. And you won't accept the cycle and go in and out of it year in, year out. Go to work in the morning, come back thinking, this is my life. Let me just carry on because he has a bigger plan. For your life. A bigger one that you and I could even perceive, imagine, write the script for. God is amazing. God is amazing. Some of the stories, I mean, we've had some fantastic testimonies over the last couple of weeks. I see Henry and uh, Emily smiling there because what a desperate situation that was with the house. And they didn't allow that to say, that's it. They said, they knew in their spirits, God had said this. And the pressure was mounting. Call the people of God to pray and continue to knock the door of heaven. What a testimony. Bigger than it just being a straightforward testimony. I mean, we, we prefer the straightforward way, isn't it? We don't, could do without the stress. <laughs> could do without the stress. But listen, now that testimony will give encouragement and hope to hundreds of people in the days ahead. And what happened in their life is now going to become a kingdom story for the glory of God. And therefore, God allows these situations. Come on, give him some praise if you want to. Hallelujah. And so, God would allow sometimes those provocations. Provoking me all the time. Year in, year out. Year in, year out. Year in, year out. Day in, day out sometimes. But then in that moment, something begins to well up. God is working on the inside. There's a desperation rising up. But in that desperation, she channeled it to God. God, show up. I put down. I said in her, in her, in her. In her desperation, not only did she see a prophetic ministry be born, okay, so the nation got a prophet, but listen to this. She reached a spiritual level in her journey that she wouldn't have reached if she didn't reach a point of desperation. Chris, how do you know that? It says, I'll I'll read that for you, verse 11, in her prayer unto the Lord. She says, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. 
he will be yours for his entire lifetime and as a sign that he will be dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Listen, she would have never done that in her average journey. The very thing she was asking the Lord for, she came to a point where she was willing to give it to him because of the state she had reached in her desperation for God. Hallelujah. Look at all the things that are going on in this story. And who set it up? God. God set it up. Listen, there are times we go through things not because God is against us. He's for us. But he's bringing us to a place of spiritual maturity. He's bringing us to a place of spiritual destiny. He's bringing us to a place of spiritual purpose that everyday situations are perhaps not doing. And so he's got to bring us to that point of desperation where we come to a place, Lord, he's yours, not mine anymore. The very thing she was asking God for, she came to a place, she was willing to give, give him back to him. Wow. All because of what? Provocation. Counted all joy when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance be perfected and complete that you may be perfect in the end and lack nothing. See, in the end, God is a good God. He's not a sadist. He's not someone who delights in seeing his children suffer. That's not the God we serve. But the God we serve is a good father who gives good things to his children. But along the way, he wants to work in and through us for his greater purposes. That's why that... Uh, passage says, even the branch that bears fruit. Think, wow, already bearing fruit. Why do I need to go through trials, Lord? I'm a good boy. <laughs> even the ones that bear fruit, he prunes. And you may think, God, have I done something wrong? No, he says, son, I love you. Daughter, I love you so much. And I know there can be more fruit through your life. Allow me to prune you. Allow me to take you through that process. I just put down some thoughts that came into my mind. I, said, I put down here, not only was a prophetic ministry born, uh, not only was she at a point where she reached a spiritual level in her journey that she would have not reached in regular time, but I also said this, I, every time a barren womb was opened in the Bible, a great character was produced. Sarah produced Isaac. Rebecca produced Jacob and Esau. Rachel gave birth to Joseph and Benjamin. Samson's mother gave birth to Samson. I didn't know what her name was. I said Samson's mother gave birth to Samson. <laughs> Hannah gave birth to Samuel. Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. Listen, your barren situation could be set up by God to produce something that you're not even thinking of. <laughs> right now it seems painful. Right now it seems, Chris, I wish this cup could be taken away from me. But in the midst of all that you're going through, my friend, my brother, my sister, God is writing out a story. That's the beautiful thing with God. Because we, he created us so beautifully, our lives are not designed just to bless ourselves. He's designed us to be fruitful in blessing people around us. I mean, I always look at myself and think, wow, if no one believes in miracles, look at one. Good for nothing, good for nobody, yet to find purpose in his kingdom. If God could use me and God can use, he can use everybody. You're sitting here this morning thinking, no, you, no, not me, Chris. I want to say you, 
God wants to use you, not just for you to go through your life and, you know, go through the journey, which is all quite okay, but he's got purposes for your life beyond your wildest imagination to touch lives, to be a blessing, to be fruitful. And again, you know, so many stories in the Bible, just when they thought it's over, how God turned it around. Job was a classic story. He thought everything was over, but God blessed him seven times over. When they reached the, the, Red, the Red Sea, Israel must have thought, over. Little did they know, one of the greatest miracles, where the water was going to stand apart and they're going to have a dry... I mean, look at these stories, but all of these were reached when they reached dead end. When it seemed like there was no hope. Lazarus, I love Lazarus' story. Because Jesus, and I shared about this a few weeks ago, Jesus could have healed him two seconds before he died. I mean, if the graph on the thing was kind of, you know, starting to slide, and the doctor said, okay, he's got about 10, 10 seconds left. Guys, listen. I mean, and Jesus healed him. That would have been an astounding miracle. But Jesus allowed him to die, as we heard a few weeks ago. And because God specializes in these kinds of things, just when things seem absolutely hopeless, when we give up, he hasn't yet given up. And I want to say to someone this morning, it's not over Till God says it's over. And I want you to know in your life, God hasn't yet said it is over. You may have said, finish, finito. Chapter, you're already planning your figuratively funeral in that situation. I used to do that. I was very good at doing that. If my boss said something in the evening that I thought he was not happy with me about, I would go home thinking tomorrow morning he's going to fire me. I'm already planning what I'm going to do, pack my things, keep it ready so I can exit the office quickly. My mind was like always worst case scenario. Listen, God is able to breathe life into dead bones and bring life. Three things very quickly that I put down that we can learn from the life of Hannah. Three principles, very simple ones, not rocket science. Number one. The first thing to do when we feel separated from God is to go back to Him. Simple. The first thing to do when we feel, God, where are you? Year in, year out, year in, year out. This situation is like a vicious cycle, never ending. Anyone been through that, going through that? This doesn't seem ending. Don't run away from God because He's not against you. He's for you. He's for you. God is not fighting you in this battle. He's not fighting you. He's with you. And I want you to know that in these moments of time, just like Hannah did, she ran back to God. She didn't get bitter with God. She didn't get bitter. Lord, if you're such a loving God, why are you letting this happen? Classic question we always ask, isn't it? God, if you're such a loving God, why are you letting this happen? She went back to God. Where does my help come from? The disciples said, Lord, where do we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. And so in your moment of pain, it's not easy. Because you're feeling the pain. You're feeling the kind of rejection sometimes. God, where are you? But in those moments, my friends, let me encourage you. Principle number one from the life of Hannah. Don't go away from him. Rather go closer to him. The natural tendency is to go away. To go to every other source of comfort and strength which is all good, 
but the number one person who can solve our problems, even in our darkest hour, even when it seems like he's not there, is God himself. In the boat, when they were in the storm and he was sleeping, Jesus. Number two, fervency attracts the attention of God. Fervency attracts the attention. In her desperation, she made a prayer that may not have been the most eloquent, but it was fervent. In that moment, she touched the heart of God. The Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, there's something about desperation. There's something about passion. There's something about extravagance there's something about audacity there's something about the every superlative that can define that element of lord i need you there's something about fervency that attracts the attention of god how many of you know that woman who was suffering with the issue of blood she said if only i can touch the hem of his garment there was that whatever the cost I'm a woman running through. I'm not well. There are crowds. But in that moment, it was her fervency that drove her to him. That at any cost, I am going to touch the hem of his garment. And when she did that, heaven noticed. Crowds were around him. And he said, who touched me? Hey, listen, in a crowd of people, there'll be many singing. But your voice will touch him. Because your voice is filled with passion and intensity and fervency. Crying out to him from, the, from your heart. Lord, I need you. Lord, I love you. Lukewarm doesn't get his attention. I worship you. I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about the heart. Amen. You with me this morning? Lukewarm Christianity doesn't get God's attention. It's his grace that still reaches out. So I'm not saying he rules us out. But if there's something that we can do from our side, when, when that blind man, Bartimaeus, was being hushed by everyone, what did, what did it say? He cried out even more, Jesus, son of David. Listen, there's something that attracts the attention of God, and that is fervency. That comes from a deep heart. Story after story, the woman with the spike nod. Ah, oh, that's too extravagant. Just be, just be reasonable in your service to the Lord. Just be reasonable, guys. Hey, listen, that's from the devil. God loves extravagance. God loves extravagance. I will not give God anything, David says, unless it costs me something. Listen, be careful of the 21st century Christian philosophy. Be careful. Don't give too much. Pit, for, pit of hell. To keep you bound. God loves extravagance. The woman who gave the two coins stood out from the everyone else who gave a, a lot of stuff they had. Because she gave everything. In fact, my message this morning was actually the cost of following Jesus. I may do that the next time. Jesus wants everything. Not a little bit. Everything. But there's a blessing attached to that everything. We look at the everything and think, oh man, too costly. Not realizing that's the key to getting everything else from him. And so, number two, there was 
a fervency in her prayer. And that fervency broke the rules and regulations. You know, perhaps she wasn't meant to be there at that point of time. She's a woman. You know, there was no religion. She didn't follow the religious protocol. She was there at a time when she perhaps wasn't meant to be there. Listen, when you cry out with a, with a fervent heart, God is not going to look at, did you get these three points right? Or did you get it theologically correct? I mean, he's saying, I understand where your heart is coming from. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. The Pharisees, they look at, you've got to get it right. Then God is going to answer you. Hey, listen, man sees the outside, God sees Passionate, desire, desiring him more than anything else. Lord, I want you more than anything else. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. Fervency. And, and fervency, because of her fervency, she didn't even get bitter with people who misunderstood her. The priest misunderstood her. The pastor misunderstood her. <laughs> Pastors do misunderstand. In other churches. <laughs> We're all human beings, okay? The priest of all people should have understood. <laughs> Yet he thought you're drunk. I mean, come on. Talk about discouragement. Here she's running with fervency, with fervency to the right place. In her desperation, she didn't go anywhere else. She's come to the presence of God. And of all people, the, the, the believer who should know better is discouraging her. Yet she realized in that moment of time, I need you. And I'm not going to let the human element, I'm not going to get the earthly obstacle come in the way of me pursing you because I need you right now. Listen, sometimes we may look at the circumstances and the physical the, the circumstantial uh, things around us may be discouraging and not be encouraging for us to reach out to him fervently. Listen, she didn't let that happen. She still graciously explained it to him because she knew in that moment of time, I can't take this anymore. Something has to shift. Something has to shift. Something has to shift. And I believe in this prophetic season, God is bringing his church to a place of God. Something needs to shift. Perhaps we've been doing church like we've done it year in, year out, year in, year out, year in, year out. And God is saying, listen, I want to bring you now to a place of provocation and desperation so that you will cry out to me like never before. And then I will hear from heaven and heal your land. And so he's shaking right now. He's shaking things. He's shaking lives. He's shaking institutions. He's setting it up, not because he hates us, because he wants to realign things so that we can reach a place in our identity as his people that we can achieve something for the sake of the kingdom like we've never done before. And so allow him to provoke, to challenge, to stretch. And the third thing, I'm going to close with this. If he said it, he will do it. I'm going to read this part for you from verse 17 and 18. Now Eli now understood the setup and what was happening. And so verse 17, in that case, Eli said, go in peace. 
May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Verse 18. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Look. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Listen, she didn't wait to do a pregnancy test. She didn't wait to do the pregnancy test. The same two things that was a the result of her starting the story, it says she was sad and she stopped eating at that time of the year. Look what she does when she gets the word from the Lord. It says, then she went back and began to eat again and she was no longer sad. Talk about faith. Talk about faith. She did not need to have the physical evidence of the line saying that you have conceived because she already possessed what she knew was hers because in that moment of time she reached a place of desperation enough to have a faith level so high that if God said it, he will do it. Oh, now you'll say, yes, Lord, please break me more. Bring on the trials because if we know these are the end results of those trials i welcome the the discipline of the lord i welcome the chastising of the lord i welcome the the stretching of the lord because in the end my god is such a good god he wants me to be better off in the end than what it was in the beginning yes lord if he said it he will do it and to round up the story verses 19 and 20 the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned to home to Ramah. With Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. In due time. Doesn't say next uh, season, two years. We don't know. It could have been immediately, could have been another couple of years. But in her heart, she already possessed her promise. And in due time, in his perfect time, he makes all things beautiful. Habakkuk says, wait, tarry. The, the vision will come to pass. If God said it, he will do it. My friend, if he promised you something, it may not seem like it's happening today. Hold on to it still. Because if God said it, he will do it. So number one, in due time. Number two, Samuel was born. Israel gets a major prophet. Wow. Look where the story started. Look where the story ends. Samuel became one of Israel's major prophets. Strategic, significant. Who knows what God is doing right now through your broken situation? Wow. We're waiting to see in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You and I sometimes may not even know the dots that are being joined. Heaven will tell us why your problem was meant to be. Hallelujah. Heaven will tell us why we went through that battle. Heaven one day will disclose what was the purpose. I'm today, I'm comfortable not even knowing the outcome of certain battles. I'm, I'm quite okay. I mean, initially, I wanted to know. Remember, I used to always say, Lord, if this is going to bring glory to your name, I'm going to accept it. That became my prayer all the time. And a lot of times I was, was blessed enough to know the outcomes. But there are times God doesn't show me. But I'm so at rest. That all things work together for they that love him and are called according to his purposes. And so Israel gets a major prophet. And the beautiful thing is, if you go home and read your story, she had three more sons and two daughters. <laughs> Her cup ran over. 
She was willing to give away what she craved for. God is no man's debtor. God is no man's Abraham was willing to give Isaac, but he was blessed for the rest of his life. My friend, this morning, we're closing service right now. There may be different elements in this morning's service talk that may have touched you. All I'm saying, let us respond in the way he wants us to respond. Because God is writing out scripts like never before. Stories are being written out for the kingdom, for the destiny of our nation like never before. And what a privilege you and I have that even our lives as broken and painful and messed up as it may seem right now, one day will bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Let's rise up this morning. Let's take a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just bow our heads just for a moment. Reflect. All that he's saying, all that he's saying, all that he's saying. Number one, turn to him today if perhaps you may be feeling distant from him. So Lord, I want to put you back in your rightful place. You are first. You are first. Even though I'm not getting my answers, you are still first. And perhaps say, Lord, bring a fresh passion for you and your kingdom in my heart again. That I would be passionate in my journey. I won't let people, I won't let circumstances be the reason for my discouragement or staying away from you. But I will climb over all those obstacles and continue to seek after you with all my heart. The secret is the secret place. <laughs> secret. And hold on to the promises. If he said it, he will bring it to pass. Perhaps some of us need to let go this morning. Let go of trying to make that happen. Let go of trying to fight that. And say, God, you, in your time, in due season, in due season, you bring to pa pass your purposes. I, my heart is for you. My heart is for you. My heart is for you. I need you. I want you. I love you. Perhaps allow the Holy Spirit just to erase all the other things, the clutter, and come with the simplicity and the purity of seeking Him like you've never sought Him before. In your presence. In your presence, in your presence, I lay aside everything else and I gaze upon you. I gaze upon you. I lay myself down at your feet and I say, Not my will, but yours be done. Let's just worship together for a moment. I'm going to pray for a few people this morning. We're going to pray together. Let's just let the Holy Spirit river this morning. Minister to us. Minister health. Minister encouragement. Minister peace. Some of you, like Hannah, are in that desperate situation. And he says, my son, my daughter, I am for you. 
I am for you. Look to him. Into your hand.